Morrison's men problem, missed it by that much, the vaccine rollout that's just not rolling, and the good news is about condors and trees. This is The Week on Wednesday. Hello and welcome to The Week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and with me, as always, is the phenomenon that is <laughs> Van Batham. And Van, you're wearing a Kevin Con t-shirt today. I am wearing my Kevin Con t-shirt and I don't know why you mock this beloved shirt of mine so much. Anyone who doesn't know what Kevin Con is should Google it because it's apparently quite the Star Trek convention insider joke, isn't it? It's, it's a niche interest. I, I am not embarrassed about being a trekker, as well you know. And Indeed, neither am I. Neither and t-shirt I. irony, I think, is a beloved, beloved subgenre of niche trekkism. And uh, to Kevin, I know you're out there. Um, I hope you're conning along. Live long and prosper. <laughs> All right, so... Kevin did nothing wrong. (laughs) So it's been another massive, massive week in Ozpol. And um, for those who are interested in the ALP conference, I will be talking about that tomorrow on Australia at Home, hashtag Ozpol. So check out our Twitter feed to register to check that out. Uh, I'll be talking about that with Denise Shrivel, Adam Jacobi, uh, and, of course, Emma Alberici. So look forward to that. But today we want to talk about some very specific specific things that have happened. And firstly, Van, I want to throw to you, because I think it's really important that you be the one to really go into the detail on this topic, and that is Scott Morrison's men problem, because that's really what it is, isn't it? Scott Morrison has such a men problem. So wherever there are men, there are problems in the Liberal Party at the moment. It it seems unfathomable because so much seems to have happened over the course of the past week. But we have had Dr Andrew Lamming, who is the member for Bowman in Queensland. Uh, and, of course, in Queensland, the Liberal Party and the National Party run together and they call themselves the LNP. The but he's, LNP. Yeah, and he, but he sits with the Liberals when they caucus separately in Canberra yeah, and yep. pretend that they're two different parties, which we all know. They aren't. Anyway, so Lamming was the subject of a a television, I think it was Channel 7, um, piece last week where two women who live in his electorate Mm. came forward saying that they had been bullied and harassed by Andrew Lamming online. And one of these women, he had accused her of misappropriating money from a charity and it uh, apparently had had quite a huge impact on her life and certainly she was making these allegations and she was in an enormous amount of clear emotional distress and another woman alleged that Andrew Lemming had hidden in a shrubbery and taken secret photos of her um, which he then put on his Facebook page. Mm. And these photos were on his Facebook page. So um, she was making allegations. All of these things obviously need to be investigated, mm. but it was really disturbing. It sort of stacked up though, right? It did. Yeah. And as you know, as a person who has seen Andrea Lemming's behaviour online, it was consistent with the kind mm. of stuff that I have seen. Uh, I'm sure you and I remember his weird attack on Simpsons against the Liberals, which is a popular, it's a Facebook group, it has 150,000 followers and they use Simpsons memes to mock the Liberal Party. And Andrew Lemming, there'd been a news story about it a couple of years ago, he Mm. picked a fight with the Simpsons meme page. And he spent... 
was it an entire day or an entire weekend having this a ongoing weekend. fight with people on this page? People who make Simpsons memes. Yeah. It was the weirdest. It was genuinely weird. But his behaviour online has been erratic for a long time. For right? a long time. Like he's really, he really goes there in the comments section, right? And this was the thing that these women who'd made these allegations produced these text exchanges yeah. with him and he didn't deny that. And it was like creepy and weird and disturbing. And then, of course, a couple of days later, another allegation gets made by a woman who said that he had upskirted her. That is, mm. she was bending over, she was at, at work, work. Yeah, yeah. D- doing some work-related task, had bent over and he took a photograph of her underpants while she was bending over and he thought this was hilarious. And another another staff member, a guy, mm. intervened and backed this woman up and was like, you will take those photographs down. This is not okay. And, of course, this woman has now aired these allegations publicly. And Lamming said, well, yeah, I just didn't think you'd take it that way. Well, she's now reported it to the police It's as well. a sex crime. Yeah, like, upskirting yeah. is yeah. a sex crime? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just unfathomable. Mm. And of course, Scott Morrison's reaction to this. Now, let's remember, Scott Morrison is barely hanging on to a parliamentary majority as it is. He has one seat Mm. up his sleeve. Mm. And he's lost Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly is obviously still voting with the government, but it's pretty tight. And of course, if Andrew Lamming goes, there'll be a by-election in Bowman and they could lose their majority. Mm. If I was an elector of Bowman and I found out that my MP had been taking photos of other constituents. I mean, this was the thing that these allegations mm. were coming from constituents in Bowman. I think I would probably, even if I was very conservative, and of course this is an imaginative mm, mm, leap mm. for me, I would probably vote independent at that point. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, like it, it really, it, you know, Morrison's initial response to, to what was aired on television was to say that Lamming was going to go on leave and he was going to do a course and then the the further allegations about the the photo the upskirting photo came out and then Frydenberg preempted uh, Lamming's own announcement that he would not be standing again he's not resigning from parliament he's not resigning he from hasn't parliament he has been forced out he will still be sitting in the liberal party room yeah. he will still be in the party room until so the, at least he's until welcome the there a man who has Let's just go through this one more time. Publicly admitted to a sex crime. Yeah, yeah. Is going to be in the Liberal Party room. But Scott Morrison wants us to be assured. Apparently, according to Scott Morrison, you know, the the voters elected him for a three-year term. So the voters of Bowman should, you know, be represented by this person they elected. And it's like I don't think they necessarily knew he Mm. was admitting to sex crimes at that point. And I think that's a relevant piece of information that, quite frankly, my God. And have we we reached the point, Van, where the the Liberal Party uh, caucus room in Canberra is going to be divided into a whole new grouping of factions, you know. We're going to have the ad- admitted sex crime um, faction, the alleged sex crime faction, um, the the ministers for women uh, and photo ops about women faction. The and the the I heard rape allegations and cause and called the person who made them a lying cow faction. I mean, it is. It's just extraordinary. It seems like a strange group of people now, doesn't it, really? It's really, it's just, I just can't. And I I know that I'm not alone. Like, the vast majority of Australians are watching this going, 
what on earth is this? Like, what is this? Mm. And, of course, Morrison did that shocker of an interview with Tracy Grimshaw, mm. which, I mean, this is a man who refuses to go on the 7.30 report and be interviewed by Lee Sales, refuses mm. to do it. And I think we can probably all guess why. Yeah. And, of course, he goes on Channel 9 expecting that, you know, Tracy, beloved of commercial television, will present with different values. And she just ripped him apart. And, and rightly so. And not even, not angry, just in a common Australian values kind of way. It's like Scott Morrison hasn't even become aware yet that these are actually a problem for people, that we do not feel comfortable with MPs, uh, can we go back just a moment, upskirting women or allegedly hiding in shrubberies to secretly photograph them or bullying them online. Mm. And maybe, just maybe, as a, as a community, we demand a bit more than I spent my weekend harassing a Simpsons meme page, like that these are issues. And given the fact that this comes just as the in the latest line of mm. all these things we've heard about staffers masturbating on desks and allegations against ministers that mm. aren't going to be investigated, mm. they're not going to be investigated, mm. Ben, we're not investigating allegations against ministers, and, and this just ongoing tsunami of actual just misconduct, harassment, and, and a failure of Morrison to speak to that in any kind of sincere way. And, of course, Lamming's been packed off to empathy train. Well, this is this is the thing, isn't it? Because now Morrison's tried to... Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> no, sorry. Look, it's, it's, ah. it's, it's, a terrible, it's a terrible sort of time in many, many ways. And, you know, Morrison's tried to have this circuit breaker by reshuffling the, the cabinet and... It, it seems to have fallen pretty flat. The the latest essential uh, polling suggests that his approval rating with women has dropped by 25 points. Is since unheard last of. Year. Unheard of. This has never happened in Australian history. Mm. There has never been that kind of gendered reaction. Because because it hasn't it hasn't really dropped with men. So it's dropped a couple of points from where it was last year. And look, all of our political leaders were on a high towards the end of last year when it looked like COVID was really under control. Um, but to drop 25 points among women is a huge drop, and you can understand why. But it hasn't dropped as much with men. Upskirting, rape allegations, masturbating on tables. And 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 it's it's really a, a lot of people, um, you and I included, are really shocked by that. Um, and to a degree, you can see how Morrison is thinking that if he if he tries to reset the conversation with his cabinet reshuffle and this the new prime minister for women, which I think is just an appalling suggestion. Yeah, that there just should so be everybody different knows. prime ministers for for men and women. Well, yeah, well, you know, the women they're just not as important. Oh. So you know, the prime minister will rule for the men who are obviously heads of their household, and oh, I just I can't even I just cannot even so. That he's appointed, Marisa Payne mm. is the Minister for Women. Yes. Apparently that's going to be a much more important role. It wasn't important before all these scandals started, <laughs> yeah. but because we all remember Tony Abbott was once Minister for Women because he really, I mean, as as a woman I felt really represented by Tony Abbott and particularly his empathy towards endometriosis sufferers. I thought, mm. that's a guy who gets it better than I could. And, um, of course, so Marisa Payne now has this beefed up 
role, apparently. Mm. Mm. She now has an assistant minister, Amanda Stoker, and we'll get to the lovely Amanda in, in a moment. Uh, Karen Andrews has been made Minister for Home Affairs, and mm. this is quite controversial because Stuart Robert, he of the $30,000 internet bill uh, foisted on the taxpayer. And the lying about a cyber attack bill. Yeah, lying about a cyber attack. <laughs> uh, Can I just say, I'm really glad he's not the Home Affairs Minister. Yeah, you yeah. Can, you cannot be the Home Affairs Minister. He'll create robo-debt yeah, guy. Yeah. Like, just totally. COVID app. Yes, not only scandalous, but also incompetent, yeah. which is a wonderful combination. So, Stuart Robert wanted the Home Affairs gig. He didn't get it. Karen Andrews has got it. Karen Andrews made a bit of a name for herself by standing up this week going, oh, this mistreatment of women has to end. And, of course, today is in the papers because one of her staffers, who is a woman, uh, has put in a, a series of allegations that Karen Andrews has been bullying her for the past six months and harassing and marginalising yeah. her. And, okay, great. So that's the new Home Affairs Minister. Fantastic. Then, of course, we have the new Minister for Economic Women's Economic Security, which is Jane Hume. And what was Jane Hume trying to do two weeks ago, Ben? Because we had a bit of a chat about our Jane. Oh. What was Jane up to? So Jane Hume is also the, the uh, Minister for Superannuation. And two weeks ago, Jane Hume was still pushing the barrow that said women fleeing from domestic violence should use their superannuation savings to pay for their escape from domestic violence situations. This is the person now in charge of women's economic security. It's totally inappropriate. Yeah, and you know that was squashed by Marisa Payne as Minister for Women was like, yeah, no, we're not we're not doing this policy is the inside word. So, because Peter Murphy gave that amazing speech where she just, who's the Labor MP, the member for Dunkley, where she absolutely massacred this idea in Parliament and they really had nowhere to go with it. It was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Our dog is rigged. <laughs> so there's – and then, of course, we get to Anne Ruston, who is, of course, the Minister for Social Services, the one who said that we shouldn't raise the doll because people would just spend it on drugs and alcohol anyway. Just goes to drug dealers. Just goes to drug dealers. So why would we lift – You know, it's, our, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the Liberal line on all these issues is so fact-free and it's like there, there's just pure ideology and, and old – Tropes wheeled out again and again and again, and and the reality we know the reality right because we've been living through a pandemic and an economic crisis because of a pandemic yep. and we've increased job seeker, which has now been cut by the way again. Um, but when it was when it was up, we saw hundreds of thousands of people move out of poverty, and and it wasn't oh suddenly there's a boom in in drugs. It was actually no, there was a boom in small business trading, as yeah. we can tell you directly because we live food. in a town where. That that happen? People buying food, people paying their bills on time, people getting on top of their credit card debt, people being able to, you know, service their their rent arrears, all those sorts of things. Get their teeth fixed. Yeah. I mean, and for for the Minister for Social Services, is that what she's mm-hmm. going to be now? Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, they just spit it all on drugs now. Oh, my God. I wrote about it. I did a Guardian piece about it. And she's also famous, Anne Rustin, who's now, she's now the minister, she's the minister for women's safety. Right. And it's like, and this is be oh, Morrison's come out and said, you know, this is really a big deal and we're taking this seriously. And it's like, love, that's been part of her portfolio from the beginning, okay? Yeah. So this is, these aren't new responsibilities for her. And as for, we know what Jane Hume is going to be with with Minister for Women's Economic Security is going to be another front for them to attack superannuation with. I mean, we know this. Yeah. It's like we have not been asleep. And and 
as Minister for Superannuation, the, the superannuation industry, unions, community organisations, women, women's organisations had been saying that there's lots of things, actually, that could have been done with super, the policies could have been implemented that would improve women's economic security in retirement, specifically mm. with superannuation, paying super on every dollar earned, paying super on um, parental and maternity leave. These are just two examples where you could have actually increased the economic security for women, that, that Jane Hume was directly responsible for that portfolio right up, and still is actually, but has refused to even consider those things. And there's oh, a whole range of things. It's an, it's an absolute shocker. It's a shocker. They've moved Linda Reynolds, the former Minister of Defence, the one who had to apologise to Brittany Higgins for calling her a lying cow, to Minister for Government Services. The very same government services that Linda Reynolds did not refer Brittany Higgins to when Brittany Higgins made a rape allegation. Uh Obviously, Christian Porter has been removed from the position of Attorney General, and that is now over the desk. And now that position will be held by Michaelia Cash. And I do want to correct something. There's a rumor on the internet that she doesn't have legal qualifications. She does. And look, she's a qualified lawyer, Michaelia Cash. She is also not a very good person, <laughs> given the fact in 2018 at Senate Estimates, she decided that she would slut shame uh, Labor women staffers. Oh, I've heard these rumours about what you get up to, rah, 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 and was cut down by Doug Cameron, who was like, what is this? Penny Wong came into the room. So Doug was running the, mm-hmm. the questioning of Michaelia Cash and, uh, you know, this, oh, things I've heard about what goes on in Bill Shorten's office, like kind of line that she was running. And this was when she was refusing to cooperate with an AFP Refusing to cooperate. The new Attorney General refused to cooperate with an investigation by the Australian Federal Police into just how the media were tipped off there was going to be a raid on the offices of the AWU. So anyway, Penny Wong came in and absolutely massacred her and she apologised and mm. retracted her comment. But that's the lovely Michaelia Cash. And who have I forgotten? Oh, now we're going to talk about Amanda Stoker. Oh, my God. My favourite, Amanda Stoker. Well, she's very well known in in Brisbane. She's a senator for Queensland. She's not from there, of course. She's actually from Sydney. Um, She's a barrister. She has three children. She believes in the traditional family. The traditional family. family. And let me tell you something, Ben, and this may come as news to you, having lesbian parents, traditional family doesn't have lesbians in it. In fact, sexuality, according to Amanda Sadoka, is a choice. Ah, yes. One of these people. One of these people. Yeah, because I know, as as a young person... I went, you know, I'm going to pick a sexuality today. I'm just going to pluck one out of the sky. I think the really troubling thing from from my my background on Amanda Stoker and Michaelia Cash sort of joining forces is that they both don't believe in the minimum wage. They no. both want to scrap penalty rates. Yep. And they both believe in a in a f- fire, instant fire kind of Yeah, Amanda Stoker, who's system. now the Assistant Minister for Industrial Relations as well, yeah. she doesn't believe in, un- in unfair dismissal legislation. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the new Assistant Minister for Women doesn't believe in raising the minimum wage. The overwhelming majority of people on minimum wage in Australia is, Ben, can you help me? They'd be women. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they I wa- would. I wonder what Jane Hume, the Minister for Women's Economic Security, thinks about Amanda Stoker's view on the minimum wage. Yeah, well, removing women's security. Like, yeah. it's just 
off the chart and she doesn't believe in unfair dismissal. So if you're unfairly dismissed, say, for example, you were being sexually harassed by your boss mm. and refused to engage their sexual coercion of you and you lost your job, well... Presumably, Amanda Stoker thinks you could just take that to a criminal court. You wouldn't have to. Wear. And this has oh. been her line. Grace Tame, the Australian of the Year, mm. and quite rightly so, as it turns out, absolutely tore into the appointment of Amanda Stoker today because Amanda Stoker's a free speech champion. Did you oh, know this? Right, right. Oh, she, and she believes in Unless, free- of course, you speak out against something at your workplace, in which case it's freedom for the boss to sack you. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, I yeah, mean, that yeah, increases yeah. productivity, Ben, yeah, somehow, yeah, yeah, giving yeah. people completely, you know, unregulated power. Oh, and God. and you can see in the Liberal Party how unregulated power for Andrew Lemming and the rest of them is all working out. So Amanda Stoker, oh, my God. So she believes in freedom of religion, but she complained against attempts last year to remove the Lord's Prayer from being said in parliamentary sessions. I don't know how many people know this, but they, mm. when they start a parliamentary session, they have to say the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Now, as far as I understand freedom of religion, Ben, mm. as far as I understand it, that means all religions, mm. including, and this may be kind of crazy, people who are not Christians. I don't think it's very much in the spirit of freedom of religion to impose one religious practice on people who don't share it. I mean, but this is, this am is, I crazy? No, not at all. And this is the perversion of the language that the people who claim to be free speech champions and freedom of religion champions have actually engaged in, right, for quite some time, is that they say they're for free speech, but what they really mean is that, mean is that they want to be able to use speech as a weapon. They say they're for freedom of religion, but what they mean is they want to be able to use religion as a weapon. What they're really saying is they want to go back to a time when the only speech was the majority speech. The only speech, the only religion was the majority religion and you were free to impose that on people. That's the freedom that they're actually looking for, right? And that's that's Amanda Stoker's game. It's a real kind of American Republican right-wing um, mentality that they've been pushing for 30 or 40 years. And it's really... Oh, and she's di- all over it, Amanda. Really so disturbing. the reason why Grace Tame came out against her today mm. is because Amanda Stoker made quite a big deal of supporting the lovely Bettina Arndt when Bettina Arndt uh, received her gong last year. She got an Order of Australia, which was sickening. Mm. Because what's Bettina Arndt been up to? Well, Bettina Arndt ran a a campus tour, very American style. We'll go to the university campuses where she was leading this whole campaign against universities having disciplinary procedures for sexual misconduct and assault. Now, you and I are both former um, student representatives yep. and served our universities in many, many different capacities yep. while we were there. And you and I have intimate knowledge of the particularly like difficult dynamics of reporting sexual misconduct and gaining accountability and justice for victims within a university system. Oh, Over the past couple of decades, a lot of work has been done in order to create safe spaces for all students by initiating disciplinary uh, procedures against perpetrators. Absolutely. And uh, Bettina Arndt has been campaigning against this. Um, Because, oh, you know, what about the boys? What about the poor boys? What about the poor boys who have these allegations? And I'm like, I have read some of the accounts of what these poor boys have done, Bettina, and I don't think anybody would want to share a campus with them, quite frankly. And um, 
and Amanda Stoker defended all of this. In fact, she's she ha- she's supported on a free speech basis. Bettina Arndt's campaigning around this particular issue, and Grace Tame came out today and went no way because let's put this all together. Grace Tame is a survivor of grooming and mm. sexual exploitation and repeated assault. Mm. Her perpetrator was platformed by Bettina Arndt in a recorded video Mm. where Bettina Arndt gave him the space to praise himself for having had sex with a 15-year-old girl. And and she laughed when he said, most men would be very jealous of me, laughed and, you know, created a space for a man who is a convicted sex offender to praise his offending. That is a thing that actually happened. And this is the person who Amanda Stoker has been defending. I am amazed at the composure of Grace Tame. I think she is absolutely extraordinary because the I think she's been quite restrained and she made the point that Scott Morrison is not, this is not dealing with the problem at no. all. Because let's talk about some of Amanda Stoker's other public positions for the new Assistant Minister for Women. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that half of the pregnancies in Australia um, are resolved by termination, half of them, for various reasons? Mm, I did not know that. Yeah, no, it's 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 a high number. But, of course, we have medical technology now and obviously medicine is in a position to intervene if a woman's life is threatened, if a pregnancy is unviable, all those things. Mm. And also... Uh, reproductive freedom is is a thing. Yep. Women have the right to make decisions about their own bodies and about their best medical care. It's a right that Amanda Stoker has been very active in trying to take away. In fact, I found a whole bunch of lovely articles today about her participation as a very vocal advocate of street rallies against reproductive freedom in this country. She mm. campaigned... She campaigned against a federal decriminalisation of abortion and she campaigned against the decriminalisation of abortion in Queensland and she has been very active in trying to deny rights to women about their own medical care. In addition... Uh, sexuality is obviously a choice as mm. far as Amanda Stoker is con- like, which is just, okay, so that's what, 15% of the population we're just completely invalidating. Uh, and and now- we should say today is um, Trans Recognition Day yeah, as well. It's the International Day of Trans Visibility, trans- yes. Yeah. And Ben and I would like to say solidarity yeah, absolutely. Um, to the trans community who we think, wow, we're so out there, deserves human rights. Absolutely. Amanda Stoker, however, not Not, such a fan. Not so much In fact, Amanda Stoker is on record saying that she just thinks it's wrong, wrong for the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer and trans people to triumph over freedom of speech or freedom of religion. She thinks it's wrong. We're prioritising the wrong rights. Like the human rights of these people are a problem. Um, Okay. Except no, like absolutely not okay and not okay when it comes to being assistant minister for women because trans women, here's some news, are women and are a marginalised group of people who suffer the most unbelievable amount of discrimination, who have special needs, particularly trans youth around medical care Mm. and properly supported, um, like the proper support of medical needs. There is this horrific movement in the United States at the moment. Arkansas literally passed legislation yesterday to actively deny medical care to trans youth. 
to deny it, that a doctor would be within their right to go, well, you know, this is a challenge to my freedom of something, trans person, trans child. So trans child out of my office, I am not supplying you with medical care, right? That's a thing that is happening in parts of the United States. It is barbaric. It is inhumane to deny, deny medical care to anyone is inhumane. Absolutely. And But she's been on this bandwagon, like campaigning against the transgender agenda. And, you know, I know that there are those conservative people who are like, oh, well, you know, it's just a fad, you know, all these trans people, mm. you know, just coming out of the woodwork. There wasn't any of this in, you know, when I was a kid. And it's like, that's because trans people used to kill themselves or lead lives of absolutely horrific suppression and closetedness because they knew their lives were at risk because of discrimination. And, and doctors used to make decisions <sighs> at, at birth as well, right? So basically do gender reassignment surgery at birth. I, I was heard someone talking about this yesterday, how this, this, this has been a major problem in Western society in the 20th century that, you know, in order to kind of make parents feel better if there was any kind of doubt, they'd just... You know, make an arbitrary decision. Make an arbitrary decision. Oh, yeah. And of course, there are those really famous stories about people who knew, who grew up knowing something was wrong and that a truth had been denied them. And these uh, just, it's heartbreaking. And you would think that any decent person would think any one of those positions would be enough to disqualify someone from being the Minister for Women. But I've got to say, Van, you know, I've, I've talked about this quite a lot and you've probably talk, heard me talk about it, but I am convinced now that, that the Morrison government has been and continues to be full of ministers against their portfolio. Oh, absolutely. There, there is just... Minister person. against the environment. Minister against when? Yeah, and it's oh, and that's shocking. the other shuffle. The minister against defence. Peter Dutton has been moved to defence. Oh. Everybody's sleeping safe at night time. Thank God we are living through one of the most peaceful periods in our history because the idea that Peter Dutton would be protecting us at night time the man is who, literally the man who puts civil servants into black military-style uniforms and then got them to go round and check people's papers. Remember this? Oh, yeah. When he was in Melbourne, Minister when of the, Immigration? Absolutely, I remember it. You know, yeah. this is the guy who's going to be in charge so of So these guys are in black shirts and they're coming to check your papers on the street. Wow. That doesn't God, remind you of anything, doesn't does it? doesn't remind me of anything. doesn't remind me of anything at all. So, look, you know... Oh, He's so weak. Um, He's so weak. That is what all the theatre is with him, like this projection of strength, like that appalling car video he made. Yeah. You know, do you remember that? He was yeah. like he was like making ads for some monster truck company or something, and it was just like, this is the most pathetic projection I have ever seen. Minister for Defence, oh, you no. have got to be joking. And it really it really boils down to, you know, as we've discussed it, it's, it's Morrison's... <laughs> Grunting, can you hear all the grunting? It's Morrison's men problem, because the the problem is fundamentally with the men in the Liberal Party. We've we've seen as well. It doesn't. It's not just. Germ doesn't like it. He, he hates it. He's he's Come a good on. boy. Yeah. He's a good boy. Come here. It, it also extends, of course, to New South Wales. Oh well, yeah, we haven't even started on New South Wales. <laughs> Do you know what's been happening in New South Wales? There's going to be a tell, by-election. Tell There's going to be a by-election in Upper Hunter. Oh well, by-elections happen. That's yeah. Right. Generally, they don't happen because the local member has been accused of raping a sex worker under parliamentary privilege. Um, allegations that were aired by a Labor MP who handled this particular allegation from someone in her electorate, and that person 
has since uh, it's been revealed, this is Michael uh, Johnson, who's mm. the member for Upper 100 from the National Party, that he was... Now former member. Now former, because unlike Andrew Lamming, he has resigned um, and he's resigned from Parliament. There, there are um, images that have been shared by the ABC of... Him saying things about various sexual acts he'd like to perform uh, on on um, another individual that were being texted from the floor of Parliament House when they were talking about water security. Bit of an issue in his electorate because they were mm. in the midst of an unprecedented drought and you would think maybe if that was your electorate, rural electorate, you're from the National Party. I mean, I'm extrapolating here, Ben. You know, like I just have these crazy ideas that maybe that might be a bit of an issue. But it wasn't. And he apparently, according to the transcript they have of this, including a lovely photo, took himself to the Parliament House bathroom and videoed himself masturbating. So gross. And I'm just like... It's just it's just so many men in the Liberal Party... Who, He's a national, but... Well, it's the same the thing, same party, fundamentally. They you know, are the same. And, and, you know, credit to the LNP. I'll give them this much credit. At least they've stopped pretending they're different. You know, at least they've just embraced the reality. In New South Wales, they still carry on as though they're somehow somehow different. But it's, it's the same culture, isn't it? That's and he's been able to resign about. because even though... Uh, if they, if the Liberals slash Nationals lose the by-election in Upper Hunter, mm. um, technically Gladys Berejiklian will enter minority government, mm. but the issue is that they have far more sympathetic crossbenchers there. Yeah. So they have conservative crossbenchers. So that is unlike the situation that Scott Morrison is in. We all remember when, when the Liberals lost their majority during the last government and the crossbenchers helped pass Medivac legislation yeah. and, you know, provide medical care to refugees. Can you imagine? Imagine how crazy. Well, Morrison did repeal that. That was well, one of the he first did. things he didn't did. He, didn't he repeal that? Because yeah. that's what you do. I mean, you deny healthcare to trans youth. I'm just like, what? You deny healthcare to refugees, people fleeing horrendous brutality. In this country, in Australia, in this country, every every person deserves healthcare. It is a fundamental right, and any attempt to wind that back, any attempt to say this group of people, whether they're an Australian citizen or they're here fleeing from violence and persecution, any attempt to to cut people out of that universality is an attack on every person in this country. Because as you know, Van, and as I'm sure our listeners know, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. You let them cut one group out and then it's the next group and the next group. The expansion of human rights is what guarantees human rights. Exactly. And this is, I mean, I'm a religious person, which I know is very weird for both of us, but (laughs) I am and I always think about, you know, my faith values in the context of what would it be like for me if I was in a religious minority? Like, what does Mm. religious freedom actually look like? Because my family emigrated to this country because we're essentially forced out because of religious discrimination. Mm. And the reason why I, even though, like, I'm a religious person, believe in a secular state is because that's the guarantee of my religious freedom. Mm. Even if the majority share some rough approximation of my Christian values, and quite honestly... I don't think Scott Morrison shares my Christian values at all because my Christian values are about empathy and they're about kindness and they're about sacrifice and they're about collectivism and fellowship and humanity. Like they are, and social justice, they are the principles that I learnt through my religious education. Mm. 
And I just I just don't see them in what he or the lovely Amanda are doing. No. But, Jesus washed the feet of the beggar. He didn't wash the feet of the banker. <laughs> yeah, no, kick the bankers out of the temple, That's as I right. remember quite correctly. Didn't invite them over for a barbecue or have New Year's Eve parties at their house. No. Um, so just... I think of that in terms of what are we doing to protect the most vulnerable? Because if we're not protecting the most vulnerable, we're not protecting ourselves. Like yep. if you're a selfish individualistic person, mm. surely at some fundamental level a survival instinct kicks in and goes, hang on, this could happen to me. Mm. I mean, you and I, bleeding heart, empathetic lefties who are just like, why can't we just be kind and operate yeah. a system of justice? I mean, we're so out there. I just... I just can't, I can't comprehend it. Like, I just can't comprehend the cruelty. How you could turn around and go, oh, it's a transgender agenda. And it's like. Yeah, it's not. It's no, not. it's not, is it? It's, it's a human not. rights agenda, Amanda. Yeah. It's about human rights. And if you don't understand that person's life or what's going on with them, like, maybe that's on you. Yeah. Maybe you should try. Yeah. If you want to represent them, maybe you understand them. <sighs> If you want to represent people, but understand don't. them. Don't they judge don't want them. to represent us. That's yeah. why we now have a Prime Minister for Women. Ah, oh, Maurice is going to be the Prime Minister for Women. So I don't have to think about women anymore. Women, 52% of the population, are now officially someone else's problem. And we can get back to men with other men doing manly things. And can I just say, I those figures about how men still support Scott Morrison, do you know what I'm really hoping? I'm hoping that's just the kind of weird bias that you can get in focus groups where people are like, oh, I've got to perform mm. some kind of masculinity, otherwise my masculinity will be questioned. So I'm going to go along with because you and I have both seen it, yeah, you know, yeah. with market research and things and the way that different pollsters attract different Essentially responses. Essentially peer pressure for adults. Yeah, peer pressure for adults. And I'm genuinely hoping that some of those men who are like, oh, yeah, I support the Prime Minister, are going home and going, actually, that makes me a bad person. Yeah. I shouldn't really be engaged in this. Look, I hope so too. And, and I think... I, I came for us to move on because we've, we've. No, I'm spent, sorry. No, you don't need to apologise at all. Please don't apologise. I'm I'm sorry. I think, you know, we could we could spend a lot longer talking about Ben Davison apologising for the patriarchy <laughs> every day. Hey, look, I may not have created it, but I'm aware that systemically I benefit from it. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I think it's up to all of us, and when I say all of us, I mean men in particular, to do everything we can to redress the balance, you know. And that doesn't mean saying women's problems are for women. It doesn't mean saying that the actions of men... Stop getting beaten up, ladies. Yeah, it's like... Stop getting raped. Just stop it. I feel feel a bit like Scott Morrison standing there going, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Can I just say, it really feels like that. genuinely feels like that. And that's why there's been a 25-point drop in his approval ratings with women. Because it's like, you want to know something? Women talk. And the internet has created a forum for women who don't even know one another to talk to one another. Like, the way that we have been socialised actually is what's provoked this situation. Because we will talk honestly about the things that have happened to us, how outrageous they are, and the justice that we deserve and we demand. Solidarity, comrade. Thank you. Solidarity. You're good. I'm glad I picked you. <laughs> I'm glad you picked me too. God help any man who was in that Morrison supporting cohort. Oh, be. yes, yes. And to any man who didn't quite understand what they were doing when they answered yes, they still supported Scott Morrison, I urge you to reconsider. Listen to this podcast. Although if you're listening to our podcast, chances are you don't support Scott Morrison. <laughs> 
we thank you for listening. Even even so, look, I want Scott do- Morrison makes my dog cry. Yeah, I do want to talk about um, the failure of Scott Morrison once again. <laughs> Gee, there's a theme here today oh, to, to, to roll out the COVID vaccine. Because, of course, our, our friends, comrades and colleagues in Brisbane are in a lockdown. It's supposed to end today. It doesn't look as though it will. It looks like it will continue because there has been um, more cases again today of COVID. And New South Wales is now enacting some restrictions as well. I do encourage you, if you're in New South Wales, to look at that because they are quite localised. But... <laughs> We're supposed to have had 4 million vaccines rolled out. Yes, and we haven't. And we yeah, haven't. 3.4 million vaccine shot. Can I give you a fun stat? Do you Please. want to hear a fun stat? Yes. So the United States and Great Britain, two countries that recently have not really been getting it together and certainly have been two of the worst affected by coronavirus. Yep. Um, obviously, the Biden administration was yes, like, right. turned this around, We're right? going to turn this. Oh, yeah, he's turned it around. So at the moment, they've got eight in every hundred Americans and even... Boris Johnson in the UK, eight in every hundred Britons have been vaccinated. The rate in Australia is two, two in every hundred. And I know, I know that we were very lucky here. It could have been a lot worse. It wasn't because we took rapid action. Obviously, we had the advantage of being an island and having state governments and trilateral governments and there were a lot of things we could do. Um, And... But at the same time, coronavirus is a rapidly mutating deadly disease that we are only going to be able to stop with rapid vaccination and it's not happened. Well, Morrison-, Morrison was very happy to take a leadership role with the vaccinations that he wouldn't do with the actual managing the pandemic. Well, because he thought he was going to, he thought he was going to get to be the hero on the white horse, right? Like this was, this was going to be a, a simple rollout among a population where there wasn't much actual spread of COVID, and he was going to take all the hero's credit. Now, of course, the situation and Daniel Andrews was going to be the great Satan, and it was all a very lovely media line. Yeah, and of course, the situation changed fundamentally towards the end of last year. And the situation changed in Europe as well when the European nations had wave have had wave after wave, right? And so they're they're up to their fourth wave. Now. So they're not prepared to export the the, the um, vaccine. Now Morrison, of course, just did not put in place the necessary um, safeguards, the necessary uh, plan Bs, that he, and to promise up until I think it was even until last week that they were going to hit their targets and everyone was going to be vaccinated by October. Now the department, the health department, had come out and said we don't think that everyone's going to be fully vaccinated by October. They 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 had gone that far, but. To, to leave people under the false impression that without actually having the vaccines in the country, with a, a booking system that GPs and medical clinics and medical facilities were saying wasn't working, with people trying to book in for, for vaccinations and being told it would be weeks, months in some cases. We, we have a friend who's quite vulnerable. He's in a very vulnerable position um, in terms of his health, uh, and he... he has a, a quite a, quite a quite an important job really and he has to interact with lots of different people all the time he he needs that vaccine like he needs that vaccine and he hasn't got it and they keep putting it off and they keep rescheduling his booking and the vaccine doesn't arrive i've seen photos on the internet of medical clinics here in australia who have received their fridge for the vaccine right and you see those big double door fridges you know you see them in mm. in shops all the time mm. these big double door fridges and literally they get a little box of 10 vaccines you know plenty of space in the fridge for these vaccines cuz they just don't have enough vaccine 
government. This is an outrage. The The Morrison government has missed its vaccination target by the combined population of Adelaide and Brisbane. Yeah, and I'm thinking at the moment, given the outbreak is in uh, Brisbane, that maybe, just maybe, that that's a problem. And look... Today, just to rub salt into the wounds of every Australian who is crying out to have the vaccine to get us to some form of COVID normal, you know, the Morrison government basically tried to blame it on the states. And you know, I don't like to give a lot of credit to the um, to Gladys's government in New South Wales, but Brad, because no, they're completely dodgy, crooked, yeah. and our ideological enemies. But Brad Hazard, who's the health minister there, uh, you know, he. He actually did stand up yeah, and did. said, this is not on. No. This is not the case. We we have we have met 30% of our target. You have met 8% of your target. This is not about states stockpiling or states failing to meet targets or anything like that. This is about the Morrison government failing to roll out a program. And let's be really, like, let's think this through. What's more likely? States which have consistently been on top of this thing, have consistently acted in the best interests of people, have met their targets for program after Who program Who stood up to program. the Prime Minister when the Prime Minister wanted us to stay open yeah. and it was the Premiers who went absolutely no way, I'm not or, endangering my people like that. Or is it more likely that the Morrison government, which has failed to meet targets on program after program after program, that has failed... Like the COVID app? Like the COVID app, like the building of submarines, like the rollout of JobKeeper. Uh, like any funds going towards bushfire recovery. Yeah, like the Job Maker program. Like all these programs that it fails to meet its targets on again and again and again. Is it likely that maybe they've failed to meet the targets on COVID? Yes, Ben, it is likely. I think that's exactly what's happened. Ben, I think that's quite likely. I actually put it in their lap. And good on Brad Hazard for standing up, actually, despite yeah. everything. And like, I know a lot of the Labor premiers and health ministers have done the same as well. And and you'd expect them to, and I'm really pleased to see them do it. I didn't expect to see Brad Hazard. No, I didn't expect to see it either. But I think it also speaks to just what on. It's the, it's the level of entitlement in the Liberal Party, I think, is the combining issue with these two scenarios mm. like of all of this unbelievable misconduct that has been going on and also the idea that you can run failed program after failed program after failed program you know the the jobs program that was going to create 450,000 jobs but only created 600 yeah. and you know this ongoing abandonment of communities who were desperate for bushfire relief all these things the liberals can always find time to sign a check to a bowls club in a marginal seat but can't actually get it together to provide a vaccine stabilise a community, repair damage, any of those things. And it comes from an an almost, you know, a sense of infallibility or invincibility that the electorate are never going to bring them to hell. Born to rule. Born to rule. And that, you know, that elections are just, you know, this annoyance that happens every couple of years and that people will, you know, just bend the knee Mm. and re-elect them constantly. So they don't need to be accountable and they don't need to get anything done. Well, let's let's hope that the Australian people see through it because I think people are starting to and, frankly, they deserve to be tossed out on their ear. Now, Vamp, we do need to move on. And frankly, I think, you know, we all need some good news. I've got, I got two bits. Come on. I, in fact, I had us. lots of bits this week. Well, let's, let's, let's... I'm going to give you two. The condor. The condor. Condor is a magnificent bird. Soaring high above the mountain. Well, they haven't been, actually. Oh. So oh. I want to talk about um, the American condor. Mm-hmm. has a wingspan of 10 feet, an amazing 
amazing carnivorous bird mm. in the vulture mm. family at the condor. Mm. Mm. Um, very, very important to the spiritual practice of First Nations Americans, mm-hmm. um, particularly the um, Yurok who are around the um, Redwoods region of California. Yep. So obviously condors were hunted and poisoned almost to extinction. By 1982, there are only 23 of them left. Oh, wow. Yep. By 1987, they were like, there are so few condors, we're going to put them in a captive breeding program because we can't, they'll, otherwise they'll they die were, out. Yeah, right. And this is a species that, was, that in modern history once roamed between the western coast of Canada and Mexico. Mm. And like I said, were of huge spiritual importance to First Nations people. Well, now this is good news, remember? Yeah. So these First Nations people, the Yurok, have uh, worked with scientists, zoologists, and an integrated conservation effort, mm-hmm. and they've just re-released three hundred of them into the wild. Oh, fantastic! So news. they've brought them back, and they're no longer critically endangered. And there's a plan. And this is one of the things that's just. You know, in my good news stories, like if we make a commitment to save things, we can save them. Absolutely. And this is a really important piece of good news for Australians in particular, is that a company in the United States, again, because mm-hmm. they've had, while we've been having bushfires here, they've been having terrible bushfires mm. um, in the US, in um, California, those terrible California wildfires, in Oregon, Washington State, awful. Mm. So a company has is using drone and uh, GPS technology mm-hmm. to uh, reforest areas through seed drops from drones. Oh, fantastic. The reason why this is a really good news story is that usually revegetation is and reforestation is incredibly ex- expensive mm. and time-consuming because it's plants being reseeded by hand from seedlings mm. and there's this... Well, they've worked out, they've crunched the numbers and they've worked out that dropping pounds of seeds mm. is actually better. Like it's yeah. less labour intensive, it's much cheaper. So it takes a financial burden off, say you're a private landholder or, a, or yeah. a state government and you've got all of this burnt forest and you need to reforest it, but you don't have the resources mm. to pay mm. for it, which is outrageous and why capitalism sucks. But now there is the Nature Conservancy, who are an environmental charity in the United States, have, have backed this technological drive so they can use satellite imagery to pinpoint literally to the square metre where the seeds will be most effective and they use drones to fly them in. Fantastic. So, you know, that's for bushfire recovery efforts. That's fantastic. That is great news. Well, that is the week on Wednesday and it's been a monster of an episode this week. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone for sticking with us. We really appreciate all of the support and the feedback. Um, Last week we were the fourth most downloaded. We love that. We love being fourth. But, you know, (laughs) we really like to be first. So do remember, do remember to share the week on Wednesday. Do remember to talk to your friends, colleagues, co-workers, family members. Maybe you've got that uncle who just needs a small nudge in the right political direction, <laughs> or should I say the left political direction, because the week on Wednesday is here. This is episode 31. We're going to keep doing this. We really, really appreciate all We're going to keep doing this until they kick down our doors and come for us at night. That's right. Now, normally I would also plug the weekend wrap. However, this weekend, because it is Easter Sunday, I will be taking a break. Ben loves being in a relationship with the Catholic. He loves it so much. <laughs> so do tune in next week to The Week on Wednesday, uh, where we will once again look at the big issues of the week. Thank you so much for listening. Love you, Vanny. Oh, I love you too. Bye. Bye.